It's great to have everyone here. And so that is awesome. I wonder if you can turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1. I think we're going to start there. I'm not really too sure where we're going to go this morning. I have stuff that God's put in my heart, but I really feel that he's uh, birthing something in me at the moment. And I just want to share my heart with you this morning. It's good to be with you. It really, really is. And uh, it's good to be together. Amen? Amen. Good. I want to speak this morning about something that might challenge you a bit, might offend you a little bit, and uh, might adjust you. You know, sometimes when you go to the chiropractor and there's an adjustment, and uh, it doesn't feel good sometimes, but I know that this is what God's put in my heart, and so I'm excited to, to bring this to you this morning. I feel God wants me to bring a message this morning that I'm hoping brings liberty to people. I really do. And then we'll look in the next few weeks just at breaking some of it down. So, are we ready? Amen. I want to speak this morning about a life handed over. What does it look like for a person to declare that I've handed my life over to Jesus? What does that actually look like? To live a life handed over. What is that? Because we have this language, I gave my life to Jesus today. My question to you is, did you? That's my question. It's a very simple question, very simple concept. You gave your life to the Lord. That means it's no longer yours, because you gave it away. It was never actually yours. So that's simply what I want to talk to you today. So I have two pictures to show you. The first one is what we think we do. Andrew, why don't you put that up? The sunset, beautiful one. Surrendered. To live a life surrendered. That's what we have in our head, and I believe that's what the Lord wills. To live a surrendered life. Often it looks like this. That's what it looks like. Lord, I surrender. It depends on the personality. Some people are slightly stubborn. I can say my dad's stubborn because he's not here. He's up in Nova Scotia. So it takes a little longer. Uh, but the Bible says every knee will bow. And so this morning, I just want to investigate with some scriptures with you of what can it look like? Because I feel so often there's such, we read the Bible, whether you're a businessman, whether you're a multi, multi-millionaire, whether you're a CEO, whether you're a housewife, which is the hardest job, I think, raising kids at home. It's, I, I don't know how she does. You know, I, I've realized this about men. And the ladies will appreciate this. I get so proud of myself when I do something she does every day. I'm like, I did such a good job, I'm amazing. And then I realize she did it every day, and I just think, well, I'm, I'm still proud of myself. I just, that's how, that's how we are, it's absolutely true, and I'm, I'm okay with it. But when you give your life to the Lord, you give your life. And so the message I'm bringing this morning might cut right against the culture of the American grain. And uh, I love America, I'm American, I have American family. Uh, but there's a kingdom culture, there's a kingdom lifestyle that I think that needs to be embraced by the church. Can I say specifically if we believe and understand in the victory of Christ through deliverance, through ministry, through the Holy Spirit, through living a victorious life. I believe in all those things, healing. I absolutely believe in them. Absolutely. But sometimes we can get into a place where we just go around that mountain over and over and over and over and get the same ministry over and over and over. Yeah? So let's talk about that this morning. Aren't you excited? Yes. I'm so excited. So, I had a dream. I said last week, I said last week, and this is part of where it comes out of, 
When I went to that, I went to some concert, some worship concert, and uh, I was so sad with what I saw. I really, really was. I, it, it impacted me. I saw God's people um, disillusioned, not knowing who they are. I, I, I mean, I saw them fighting and swearing at each other. That doesn't actually bug me that much. It's just they don't have a revelation of the Lord. But it's like I see God's people, and there's been such a weight on my heart lately for the church and the state of the church in the nation and the state of the church everywhere I look there's such a giant gap between what the word says and who we are and we, we, we settle for, for because we think well uh, it just it doesn't even look real to me anymore there might be some superstars you get the Bill Johnson you get the Ken Grenfells you get the Dwayne's or whatever whoever your hero is and you get these people but they're so far ahead of us that we think, well, that's, you know, it's not like that for me. Who feels like that? Hello? Yeah, I feel like that. Great. We have some honest people. It's wonderful. The rest of you should leave. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it really disturbed me. And I had a dream this week. And I, I'm hoping I can share this and stay intact. I was dreaming of us meeting here. And there was a church. And someone stood up and started to speak about money a lot. Now, we've done that a little this year, but not like that. It started to force money and pull money, and there was a big dollar sign that appeared on the wall. And you know when you see a, a money counter, and it just grows up, and all the money started counting. And, uh, and you know, in a dream, things change rapidly. So then it was like later on, and I was sitting like, I was sitting in the front in the beginning, then I was sitting back there, and then it changed again. And when it changed again, it was like a few months later. And I saw all these celebrities up here having the mic and all these people. And I'm sitting back there. And by this time, Jen said to me, Clayton, you've got to shut this down. You've got to stop this. And uh, the money was just piling up, piling up, piling up. And, and, and there were all these celebrities. And there was like a Woodstock concert. There was a guy strapped to a sign up in that wall. He strapped himself to a sign. And it was all done in the name of God. And then eventually the dream kept going and I was sitting right at the back. And uh, I knew what had taken place is that we had traded in truth and reality for getting money and people. Now that's not what is in my heart, never had you all know that. But I believe God was showing me something about the church. And, um, and then all of a sudden there started to be these weird tall creatures that were walking around. It was a weird dream. And then I woke up because I heard my son, my little son Matthew screaming and this has only ever happened to me one other time and I woke up and I so as is selfishness I woke my wife up say baby the uh, love the baby is screaming you should probably do something about that and uh, I didn't say it like that but you know I'm like babe Matthew's screaming she turns over to me and she never does this she's very gracious she says to me well go you know so I thought fine all right so I got up you know, just had this dream. I woke up out of there. I walk into my son. I'm hearing. I'm listening to it in my ears. I'm hearing screaming. I walk in, and he's fast asleep. But I can hear him. And then I walked out of there, and I went into my other son's room, and he's asleep. And I'm, I'm hearing screaming. And then it stopped. And I knew I was hearing in the spirit. And the Lord said to me, that's like the state of the church. On the outside, it looks awesome. But it's like a screaming baby that needs food. There's a lack of nourishment. It's not about what it looks like. And it impacted my heart. And so this morning comes a little bit out of that. So I'm not angry at anybody. Not at all. Please, if you think I am, I'm not. But how do we as a people get back 
to bringing clarity to the gospel. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. To love your neighbor as yourself. How do we bring back a clarity to the simplicity of the gospel? Because it's become so complex and so confusing and so many different titles and anointings and stuff. And in here it was simple. Yeah? Simple. So the first thing I want to speak to you about very briefly is don't replace mediacy. And what I mean by that is a mediator. I see in the Western church, people love this Christian superhero and superstar. And I'm encouraging you. Jesus said, why don't we go to Matthew 11? I think it's Matthew 11. I wasn't going to go down this path, but I'm warning you today. We don't know where we're going. There's so much in my heart, I just feel like I, that's why I'm, we're going to be all over. But Matthew 11 says, 28. Let's go to verse 27. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. And let me just say this in that verse. I know that's Jesus talking about himself. But unless you understand your sonship, you'll never know the Father. You'll know about him. But to know your Father comes from understanding that you're a son. No one knows the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son will reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We love that verse. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, the key points there, come to me, learn from me. Often we replace the mediator, well, if I go to that guy and he prays for me, if I go to this place, if I go to that place, and church can end up being like a hospital. It's a fact. I grew up, and I said this the other day at Premium, I grew up in a house where God had gifted a man, happened to be my father, to break people out of whatever they were facing. And I love, we've just launched a ministry team. There's going to be some training today, and if you need healing for sickness or you need ministry, they'll be up here afterwards. We'd love to have you, love to have you come up and get ministry. But what I've noticed is what happens, and it, we just I have to be careful in the way I word this, because I need, I need you to understand my heart for ministry is it's a lack of identity in people. So what begins to happen is they think, well, if I go to that person and they pray for me, so I'll lay my hand on you and the problem will go away. And then the next time I have a problem, what am I going to do? I'm going to run on back. Do it again. Oh, now I'm discouraged. I'll run on back. Do it again. <laughs> and it becomes a hospital. Now, friends, when I got saved, I was up at the front of the church every week. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying, understand that you, who you are, and how Jesus sees you. And learn to fight for who you are. We don't need to fight the devil. We need to fight for truth. Sometimes, just engaging the enemy, you've already lost. Because that's what he wants. But sometimes you need to simply fight for truth. Look at John the Baptist in John chapter 11. Who was on the earth? Who else knew that Jesus was Jesus before John the Baptist? Nobody. Nobody. There is the Son of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. My disciples, leave and go follow that guy. Then he's in prison. What does he do? I mean, this is John the Baptist. God, God sends the two disciples that are visiting him, go ask Jesus if he was the one. Why? 
He knew who he was. Now he's, I don't know if you're the one. Why? Because now he's in prison. Jesus, you said you're the one who frees from prison. I'm in prison. Why? He's allowing tragedy and circumstance to dictate truth. <laughs> what did Jesus say? Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. It's a big deal. And I wrote you, if our belief structure changes because of tragedy, what is dictating truth to us? Truth never changes. Truth is truth. But if tragedy and circumstance dictates truth, that's why it's sometimes harder for those who believe in living a victorious life. Well, I prayed and it never happened. Well, I prayed for this and I prayed and they died. Or I prayed in this. And sometimes real heart, I'm not saying there's not going to be pain and hurt and we need ministry and help. But what happens is we turn it on him and we get angry at him. And he gave you life. And he gave you breath. And you gave your life to him. Hello? We can't get offended at him. Blessed is he who's not offended. John got killed, beheaded. Jesus declared, I'm the one that frees from prison. His cousin gets killed in prison. Blessed is he who's not offended. We cannot allow tragedy or crisis to dictate where we stand in truth about who he says he is. He is who he is. He said what he said. He is who he is. If my circumstance doesn't line up, we start firstly to doubt myself. Well, I'm so terrible. I'm so bad. I'm... No, you're righteous. <laughs> That's why I don't always have an answer for you. And Bill Johnson says, bad theology, the birthplace of all bad theology is when pastors and leaders are forced to give an answer for something that God's not answering. Well, why did this happen? I don't know. But I know what the Bible says and I know what truth is. And I know that he hasn't moved. <laughs> Hello? <sighs> don't allow truth to be, to be defined by tragedy but who Jesus is. And we can only understand that when we understand that the Bible says in Hebrews 1, I would go read it, but just to quote it fast, that in various times past, he spoke to us by the prophets in various ways. But in these days, he has spoken to us by his son. Jesus Christ was God's last word to man. This is my last word to the human, to human race. My son, Jesus. Now I know he's speaking to us all the time. We believe very much that God speaks every day. I just told you he spoke to me in a dream. But Jesus was his last word. No more revelation after Jesus. Jesus is my last word to the human race. That's why Jesus is the truth. The person of truth is Jesus Christ. So Jesus is my last word. That's it. And when we start to see the life of Jesus, we're not supposed to pray and come to Jesus when we're overwhelmed. We call to follow him. <laughs> follow. Do what he did. Look like he looked. Be like he was. Follow. Follow him. I hope I'm not losing some of you. Friends, either Jesus is the total answer for, for man's total problem or he's not. Either he is or he's not. The Bible says he is. That's truth. When my life doesn't agree with that, it's still truth. And I don't get offended with him and I don't take the blame on me. I know some things here has got to change because I'm in process. I'm in journey. And God will move and God wants to set free and go get help and absolutely. But don't let it dictate your belief structure. Amen. My wife's with me. This is fantastic. 
So I know when I go home today, I'm not in trouble. No, I'm just kidding. She's awesome. Friend, don't let it dictate your belief structure. These signs will follow those who believe. They will cast out demons. They will heal the sick. They will raise the dead. They will speak with new tongues. They will do this. They will do that. So what is the chief thing that the devil wants to attack? Our belief structure. That's why in the church today, everywhere you go, you'll find camps. Well, I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, I don't. Well, I believe in healing. Well, I don't. You just stand up and say, I believe in supernatural healing. You will get everyone's story why they didn't get healed. I was written off of a church in South Africa. I knew the one day I stood up. Dwayne, I remember Dwayne's story. He told me the first time divine healing. He was pacing back and forth in his, I don't know, somewhere in his house, preaching on Isaiah 53 when we were still in the cafeteria. He said he paced back and forth, back and forth, knowing that once I declare this, I stand in a certain area and people will write me off. I remember preaching that for the first time. And as I was preaching that I believe in divine healing, I saw people's faces coming to my mind. They'll no longer speak to me. They'll no longer speak to me. There's camps, friend. And I hate that, I'll be honest with you, because it's religion. Because it's supposed to all be Jesus. And so there's all these camps and all these belief structures. Why? So the church can fight each other. And the devil's saying, look, they're fighting each other over their belief structure. I don't even have to do anything. Hello? It's true. My question to you is, what did Paul know that we don't? And I know I'm challenging you this morning, but somehow in the West, humanism became the center of the gospel. What is humanism? The chief end of all being is the happiness of man. That's humanism. What is Christianity? The chief, of it, the chief end of all being is the glory of God. And somehow, we grew up in a culture which the gospel became about us. Now the gospel is about you, but it's absolutely not about you. It's just not. Because we can take the provisions of Christ, which is salvation, to make me happy in the afterlife, to make me heaven after, that's awesome. We can take the provisions of Christ of freedom and love and all these things to make me happy now. Who's at the center? Me. That's not the gospel. That's a byproduct it's real. It's a byproduct. But I'm not at the center. Jesus is at the center. What does that mean? What does that look like? What did Paul know? Paul received 39 lashes five times, the Bible says. I just want you to, and I'm not trying to bring in this masochistic suffering gospel. Please, I'm not. I'm trying to tell you what the Bible says. He had 195 times he was whipped. Jesus, 39 times. Paul was whipped 100 and 95 times of the cat of nine tails. What do you think his back looked like? Maybe his legs. I don't know. But I know this. He was never offended at God. Can I fathom that? Because today would be like, well, I've, 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 I need more favor. Oh God, you know, maybe I'm doing something wrong. He sat in a damp hole in the ground and wrote the book of joy, Philippians. He sat and wrote to Timothy in Roman prison about to be killed under Nero. He says, consider it all joy. 
what have we lost? There was something Paul saw. He saw Jesus. Because of who he knew, he was not ashamed. And that, no matter what we go through, friends, now, a lot of the stuff we go through has to be, it's already in one. I'm not saying sickness is good. It's not. That's from the devil. Get healed. God's paid a price for that. And we'll pray for you every day. I love to see God break through. I love to see God change lives. I love to see people set free. I love to see people get saved. I love to see deliverance. You guys know that about me. All I'm saying is that there's a part of Christianity, there's a part of the gospel that's put man in the center. And so we get offended at God, offended at our spouse, offended at the pastor, offended at most people leave churches because their needs aren't being met. That's a fact. I love you, but then you've missed the point. (laughs) Completely. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. And friends, God has been putting this into my heart. I cannot, I cannot explain it. Uh, I don't even know where I am. Friends, in the garden, the devil challenged what? The word. Did God say? So what did Jesus do? I love it. He became the word. Well, I'll become the word made flesh. To show you that what God says is true. And then he challenged what? The identity. Second time, he challenged second Adam, which was Jesus, in the desert. If you're God's son. Did God say, if you're God's son? If you're God's son, prove it. Perform for me. Do this for me. Turn the stones into bread. Show me that you are who you are. (laughs) Same thing today. I believe we are God's sons and daughters. Well, we are all sons. Ladies, you're sons. You're in Christ and he's the son, so you're a son. I've always said, if I can be a bride, you can be a son. But we're all sons. <laughs> we're all sons. It's a fact. It's, uh, Tyron Daniels used to say, there's a bride with army boots because we're in the army. So just picture that. Right? Men can do that. I'm a son here. I've got a wedding dress, but I've got army boots. I'm good. So that's who we are, friends. That's who we are. That's our identity. But it is robbed. And I believe one of the chief revelations that God's trying to bring back into the church is this thing of identity, who God says you are, not for you. And that's why many churches don't preach all the stuff about identity. Why? Because if you preach about who God says you are, how much he loves you, who you are, you have power, you have life, you have these things. If you preach about that with the humanistic gospel, even though it's true, it's still about you. But it's not about you. But we absolutely need to know who we are. You know, the very beginning, I remember preaching to the youth. And I've never seen people do what I saw them do when I preached this kind of stuff. And I used to preach it to them all the time. And I used to say, if you want to count for God, you've got to let go of your reputation. And I told them that flat out. You've got to let go of your reputation. Let me stir the pot. I don't think Jesus came to the disciples and said... All right, guys, I want to send you a book too, but who's the introverts? What kind of gifting do you have? Are you more administrative? Okay, you don't have to go. The gospel. The Great Commission. Your reputation has to die. That's not nice. Oh, but I'm getting embarrassed. Yeah, me too. 
I'm not saying you're going to be Todd White. I'm not saying you're going to be Billy Graham. I'm just saying you have not a message. You have a person inside of you. And he is the ruler and of the king of the universe. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, no matter what happens to me. And I don't get offended when the truth doesn't line up with my life. It's still truth. That's what it means to be a Christian. What does it look like to have a life handed over? <laughs> Somebody once said a little while, it was not once, it was a couple of weeks ago. They said, if I'm only doing well with the Lord and my spouse is doing well, who's dictating truth? I'm in him, not in her. I'm in him. I'm in him. So I can be who I am to her. Philippians 2, we say, oh, we follow Jesus. Well, Philippians 2, verse 5 to 9, one of the first things he did before he even got to earth, the Bible says he let go of his reputation. In other words, his equality with God. His Bible, actually, I read it to you. Some of you are thinking, no, it doesn't say that. Well, I love you, but it does. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 9. I love this portion of Scripture. I know this is George Taylor's, one of his favorite portions of Scripture, because we used to speak about it at coffee. Let this mind, repentance, New Testament, change the way you think. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Let go of your reputation. I wrote this. The very beginning of Christianity. What is one of the major things that took place in the New Testament church? The baptism in water. Why? Because the first thing that happens as a Christian is you identify with the death of Christ. The death, resurrection. Death, burial, and resurrection. I said to a, guy, a gentleman a little while ago, and he was very mad at me. And I can understand why. Because, friends, when you get born, and I'm going ahead of myself, we get trained the whole, our whole life by the system of the world. Our whole life we get trained to think the wrong way. That's why the base of, the base of salvation, the base of being a Christian is repent, metanoia. Change the way you think. You have the mind of Christ. And he was telling me, I have rights, I have all these rights. I said, listen, I love rights and I love freedom of speech and I don't want to be political. I'm not a political pastor, I'm just not. Because, anyway, I'm just not. But I said to him, well, you don't really have rights. And I know I'm offending some people. So I said, friend, when you go to the morgue and you pull out a dead body, does that person have rights? No, why? Because they're dead. You died with Christ. Oh, I can feel it in the air. You did. You died. Doesn't mean you're a carpet. Doesn't mean let people walk over you. Doesn't mean you don't fight for what you believe in. But in the right way. With humility of heart. I wrote you, the very beginning of Christianity is to lose your earthly reputation. Why? So that you can gain a heavenly one. Peter had a reputation, but it wasn't the reputation he had in the book of Acts, it wasn't the reputation he had in the Gospels. He lost that earthly reputation. He gave it up. Why? So that he could gain a heavenly one. Why? Because Jesus lost his heavenly reputation to give us one. 
So, where were we supposed to preach from? All right, Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ. And friend, I know I'm challenging you this morning. Why? Because I want us to see what God says. And I want us to see what's possible. Not through legalism, not through religion. Can you say you are what you are by the will of God? (laughs) And I don't want to just say stuff and then give you nothing to actually, how do I do that? So we're going to get there. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins. Big, big sentence. That he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God the Father and God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen who might deliver us from the present evil age. There are two ages that the Bible speaks of, the present evil age and the age to come. Over and over it uses that language. This here is saying the forgiveness, I know the forgiveness of sin has dealt with death, has dealt with, you know, we know that, yeah? The gospel. This is saying that you are forgiven for sin, not only for that, but for the present evil age. It's talking about the impact of the gospel in your life here on the earth. It's not pointing to eternity there. There's another verse like that in Colossians. And I've studied it up in the old commentaries. We can fight about it later. Read it again. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age. He left you here. Not like as an orphan. The Bible says I'll never leave you as orphans. But he left you here but set you free from here. What is that? I'm in the world, but I'm not of it. What does that mean? I wrote you, it's speaking about Christ being formed in you here. When Paul saw Christ, he says, Christ was revealed to me. You know what he said later on? Christ was revealed in me. Something changed. Christ was revealed to me. Christ has been revealed in me. In me. How can we be in the world and not of it? Well, let's look at that. I wrote you, the present evil age was established when? We all know the answer. We just don't think we do, but we do. It was established through the fall of man. Sin came into the world. The present evil age was established And all of our lives, we are trained by the systems of this world. Its ways, its thoughts, its methods, its rules, which places man at the center even of the gospel. God's desire is to reestablish the origination of his creation, which is that his sons would carry his image. That's why he sent his son to deal with the stuff that we cannot carry his image, we cannot be like him, we cannot... Christ has been revealed in me. That's why I say in the world and not of it. Jesus said that. What does that mean? I'm going to quickly... You can turn there if you want. John 17 verse 15 says this, and then we'll go back to Galatians. It says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Let me just say this. Without the power of the Holy Spirit in you, without the truth in you of who you are, You cannot be in the world and not of it. That's why sects 
and, and groups and people have removed themselves from the world out of any influence. Don't influence me. Don't touch me. I'm going to go live in some commune, some community so I can live unto the Lord. Jesus said, not that you take them out of the world. How can you shine as a light if you're around lights? Hello? So that doesn't help. That's easy. Jesus even said, it's easy to bless your friend, but I tell you, bless your enemies. Be a light. So, it says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Okay? We know the truth. What does it mean to not be of the world? I am not of America. Why? Because I was not born here. To be in the world but not of it means you're not born here. This is not your home. Paul knew that. Peter knew that. Talked about an earthly tent, a temporary temple. This is not your home. That's why when you get born again, hello, born again, home is heaven. You're a citizen of heaven, the Bible says. You're an ambassador of your home country. Do you know that? I know we know that here, but what does that mean? When I went and stood in the Johannesburg, in the U.S. consulate, I stood in the embassy or whatever it is, I stood there. I'm standing in the country of my birth, but I'm standing on American soil. American armed forces were right there. And let me tell you, they're far more scary than South African armed forces, because you could just bribe the South African armed forces. But American armed forces, they're scary, they're big there, they're going to shoot you, whatever. So I'm standing there in the embassy... In the consulate, there's Americans all around. Within 20 yards is South Africa. I'm not a citizen there. I have no authority there. You are ambassador of heaven. Your home country is heaven. The Bible says that. Where you stand is an established consulate. Where you stand, heaven should be. It's a fact. Where you stand... You're an ambassador. You've been given authority to represent the king wherever you are. Hello? You are in the world, but you're not of it. Which means you were not born here. You were born here physically first. I said it last week. But the younger, the second birth, all through the Old Testament, has to overcome the older. So, when we come back to our father... He gives you a new heart when you get saved, a new grace, a new life, a new mercy, his very spirit, the mind of his son. Friends, that is who you are. That's your identity. Now, why do I say all of that? Because from the moment you get born again, you're not your own. You no longer belong to yourself. You just don't. You never actually did. You don't belong to yourself. Obedience. <laughs> now, if I say obedience and I place it on you, that becomes religious legalism and you get all guilt and shame. No. Obedience from the place of a son. Because you're not your own. So, how does it mean to live a life handed over? It's called dying to self. Now, why don't we like the term dying to self? I don't like it, and I'll tell you why. Because it's not really what it means. Dying to self means you feel like you're losing a part of you. You're not actually giving up part of you. Now I'm going to twist your mind a little bit. 
Are you ready? Yes. Okay, great. I'm so excited. The Bible says, before the creation of the world, I knew you. Right? Why? Why does it say that? Because he knew who you are before the fall. He knew you. That your identity, your identity, hello, who you actually are, when you're born into this world, you're born under sin. We know that in first Adam, you're born in sin, you're born under sin. So everything you grow up with, even the hate, I don't have to tell my son to, you know, to do bad things. He just does them. Literally, he will literally stand there going, me, 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 mine, mine, me, me, mine, mine. That's literally a sentence to him. I don't teach him that. It just comes out because he's born in that. But that's not who he is. When you get freed from that, when we say die to self, you are trained all your life, even if you're in the church, because we come to church, we pay our money, we leave. It's once a week. You're trained all your life through the system of the world. The thing that dies when you get saved and the life that you hand over is it's not even who you were meant to be. And so God begins to show you this is who you are. This is actually who you are. And we say, oh, I've got to die to self. That's so hard. No, you're not dying to anything. You're dying to something that you were, the corrupt part. You were never meant to be that anyway. You're my son. You're my daughter. Think like that. Live like that. You have my son's mind. You have Christ's mind. You have Christ, a new heart. You have a new nature. So think like that, son. So it's not when I mess up, oh, I'm so, but that's why grace is there. Oh, I'm so stupid. I'm so, we all do that. God, forgive me. I'm so sorry. Say sorry for 17 minutes until we feel better. It's not that. It's there's grace for that. But Lord, I'm sorry. Why? That's not who I am. I'm a son. Lord, you've given me a new heart. You've given me new life. You've given me new, new breath, new mercy. Lord, that's not who I am anymore. Man, I live for you. That's identity. That's why dying to self is not the best term. When God gave you your life, you did exactly that. You brought with a price, the Bible says. Your body becomes a living temple for the Lord to live in, move, and breathe through. Friends, why is this so important? I'm going to have to finish up soon. You are not from here. This is the premium thought pattern that is a huge part of living in victory. When that is here, renew your mind. Why? Jesus said it's the way. Now I'll show you the next sentence. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them by truth, not by ministry. We need ministry, but sanctify them by truth. If you don't know the truth of who God says you are, becoming who he is, letting him be formed in you won't happen. And we just vacillate for the rest of our lives. Because we don't know what the word says about who we are. Sanctify. Sanctification. Justification. Awesome. Sanctification. We all run from it. Sanctify them how? By truth. Why? Because truth sets free. Free to do what? Free to be who God made you to be. And that doesn't come like that. And God's okay with that. Because he knows you've been trained one way to think, to act, to live. 
Friends, I cannot let people sin against me cause sin in me. Hello? I cannot let sin against me cause sin in me. Now, I get that wrong all the time, but that's what the Bible says. I need to get back at them. That's not who you are. You see? My spouse, well, it's not who you are. It's not about doing the right thing. It's acting. See, dying to self, it's actually dying to a false identity. It's like an undercover cop or undercover person in the CIA or whatever. They've been undercover for 40 years. They've forgotten who they even were. It's like a false identity. We've been trained with a false sense of identity. That's not who you are. It's not that hard to give up something that you were never meant to be. Can you give me five more minutes? Thank you so much. Friends, when we are in him, we react differently. We just do. We react differently. So the enemy comes and he brings discouragement to your table one morning. So I phoned 17 people, say, I'm really struggling today. Can you pray for me? Friends, there's nothing wrong with that. But let me give you, that's option B. Let me give you option A. Option A is God. Man, that's not who I am. I thank you that I'm your son. I thank you that you love me. I thank you, oh man, I'm righteous. I thank you that, man, you've made me holy. You've set me apart into your work. I thank you, Lord, that you've justified me, made me just as if I've never sinned. Lord, I thank you that you're working in my life. I thank you. Why? Because when the devil starts to see that his attack on you is actually forming you more into Christ, it will stop. Because now he's an instrument for the Lord. It depends on how you react. So truth comes out of your mouth. Truth. Truth. Not circumstance. Truth. And I'm not talking word of faith stuff. And if you're word of faith people, bless you. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about truth in real life. To let his son be formed in you. I write you, all you are giving up is the corrupted person you were born to be under Adam. So that you become his original tension from you. Then you can declare, for me to live is Christ. It's Christ, not me, not self, Jesus. For me to live is Christ. It's all over the Bible. Some of these verses will suddenly make more sense to you. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it'll never bear fruit. What are your roots plugged into? Philippians, rooted and grounded in love. I was never told to fix people. I was told to love people. What about this? We judge thus. That of 2 Corinthians, that if one died for all, then all died. You're dead. Great. And he died for all. Why? That those who live, Christians, should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them and rose again. What about this? Jesus said, everyone who loses their life for my sake will find it. Christianity. It puts everything like that. Man, what a glorious life to live. I don't always get to do what I want. Why? Because there's a way who's, that seems right to a man, but at the end of the way, there's a way of death. <laughs> Truth in the heart. All right. It's 12.30.
12.09. I'm going to read you one verse, and then we're done. I'm going to have to unpack this a little more, yeah? I think in the next little while. Why do I preach this? Friends, because I see the body of Christ, and I see people settling for less than what Jesus paid for. It's not even so that you can be victorious. I love you, and I want you to be victorious, but I want the Lamb to receive the reward for which he suffered which is a victorious bride. And I'm in it with you. Trust me. Ask my wife. I'm in it. Sometimes she'll tell you he's really in it. <laughs> but I just, we settle so easy because we allow tragedy and circumstance to dictate truth. Friends, we settle too easy. I remember when I got saved, I wanted to minister over people because my identity was in it. You can put your identity in this, what I'm doing now. If I get my identity from this, you're in trouble. Whether you're in ministry, whether you're in business, and I wanted to minister, I wanted to pray for people and get words of knowledge. People think, well, you just do that because your dad, so it came down to you. Let me just tell you, get that thinking out of your head. It's not true. I prayed almost daily for two to three years, every day. God revealed to me the secrets of people's hearts. Now when I look at a person, God will speak to me. But they, I, I never, why? Because the Bible says that when an unbeliever walks into the room and you reveal the secrets of the heart, what's the result? They will fall on their knees and worship God. But honestly, my heart was, I want to be able to do that. God in his grace and mercy said sure and taught me. Because the Bible says, learn from me, come to me. And then he flipped it around and it became pure. Galatians 1, verse 5. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you to the grace of Christ. And right that's the foundation. Whenever we do stuff, your foundation is the righteousness by the grace of Jesus Christ. You do nothing, he did everything. That's the foundation. Why? That's justification. That's a fancy word. Why is that the foundation? Because that is what causes you to love Jesus. Actually, publicly. I love him because he first loved us. Man, I see how much you loved me, Lord. You've made me righteous. You've justified me. You've changed my heart. You've given me a new heart. It's a justification that causes you to fall so in love with Jesus. When you get saved out of drugs or when you even get saved out of monotony, whatever, doesn't matter how big or small you think your testimony is, it's all the same because you have the penalty of death and you feel the weight and the wages of sin removed off your life and you get saved and God changes your heart and you fall in love with Jesus. That's justification. Then love starts to compel you. 2 Corinthians 5, I'm compelled by love because you fall in love with Jesus. But don't get stuck there. Then truth, Jesus said truth is what will sanctify you. It'll take you through. Not feelings, truth. And then he says this, called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. In other words, they'd gone on to works and brought in all Judaism and stuff. Then he says this, verse 10, for do I now persuade men, NIV says, do I seek to the approval of man? Let me say this to you. Whoever you seek the approval of, you give them the keys to your life. 
That's a fact. You seek the approval of another person, you give them the keys to turn and do whatever they want with you. Because you'll change your behavior to get approval from them. If you seek your approval from your job, you seek your approval from your live through your children, or whatever it may be, unless it's in him. Do I now seek to persuade men of God? Do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Jesus Christ. And we could go on and on and on, but I won't. Somebody said it best like this. The gospel sets me free from me. Free from me, I'm free from you. And when I'm free from you, I can be who Christ made me. Because I'm not ashamed of him. The gospel sets me free from me. So that I can be free from you. So that I can fulfill the great commission. So that he can come back. It's really simple. And what undergirds everything? Love. Love, 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 love. Not you, 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 you. Amen.